Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Medis Podcast. This is your host, Nassar Ahmed. This is episode 84 of the Career Medis Podcast, and this episode is part of a Day in the Life of series. If you have followed us in the past, it, in each of these Day in the Life of series, I conduct interviews with individuals from a particular career, a particular profession. And for today's episode, I'm speaking with a product marketing manager, and a guest's name is Joydeep Gangopadai. And uh, he'll be sharing his experience, how he got started in this profession. Also tell us what that really means, uh, where he stands today, some of the benefits of the role, some of the challenges, and we, we'll learn a lot about our guest as well. Hey, Joydeep, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nizar, thank you for having me. I want to make sure I got your name right. Did I say that correctly this time? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh, my parents would be very proud. <laughs> thank you. I don't have a common name. I don't have a common North American name, so... Whenever someone makes an effort, I really appreciate it. And I know uh, I, I also make it a point to get that right. Thank you so much. The first question before we get into the role itself, I would love to know where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Francisco, California. Okay. L- listen, I think everyone around the world knows where San Francisco is. It's famous for a lot of things. Perhaps you can help us out. Can you tell us something interesting or a fun fact about San Francisco that most people do not know about? And you cannot say the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) Okay, all right. So a fun fact about San Francisco. You know, most folks don't realize just how amazing the weather here is. And it's literally fall all year round. So you just need a light jacket. And I grew up in the Midwest in Chicago, Illinois, and we had all four seasons and you needed a really heavy coat. And so I think what I love about San Francisco is the temperate weather. And, you know, the fact that it's, you know, the central point for Silicon Valley is even better. And speaking of Silicon Valley, there are a lot of the tech giants, uh, major employers in the tech space uh, are all based out of their Salesforce, I believe is there. And there's a lot of the companies, right? Like Uber. And, and I mean, I can go on. I can talk about all the companies that are based out of San Francisco. But yeah, definitely. The weather I've heard is amazing. So that's good to know. So the, of course, we'd love to get on with the interview and know a little bit about yourself. Uh, could you share with us a little bit about yourself and provide us an introduction? Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, my name is Joydeep Gongapadai. I am a product marketing manager at Facebook. Uh, I've been at Facebook for almost four years. And the teams I work on at Facebook is our advertising team. And the, t- the mission of our team is very simple. It's to make meaningful connections between businesses and people. And about 5 million advertisers, they come to our platform every, every month uh, to use our products to connect with these 2 billion people that use our app every single month. And, and we take our job really, really seriously. And you can imagine in a world where there are so many products and services to choose from, when you discover them uh, in a place like Facebook, a lot of times you're able to find things that you never, never knew existed before. I'm, I'm really tempted to hear your story. But before we get into how we got here, for those of us who are unfamiliar, what exactly is a product marketing manager? 
Sure. Great question. I discovered this a few years ago. So, you know, I'll share that with. So a product marketing manager at Facebook is somebody who is responsible for understanding the market for a specific product. So in this case, for example, my team, we work on advertising products. So it's really important to understand the businesses who need to use advertising products, the types of needs they have, the objectives that they have. Some companies, for example, if you're Pepsi, you're really trying to gain awareness of your brand and you want it to be top of mind. In other cases, a business may be selling a product on their website or their app. And so their objective is very clear. They want to drive more sales on some of the you know, sites and apps that they own, or maybe even in the, in the store. And so the job of a product marketing manager is to A, understand that market for the product. And you do that by analyzing a bunch of market journals and research, as well as different studies and kind of where the industry is heading and how the needs of, let's say, businesses and advertisers are changing. And then the job is really to, to distill what, you know, what should we build? How is it different than what is out there? And then how do we position our product differently in the market so that, you know, the users that we want to reach are finding that, right? So we have to market the product as well. And, and marketing is really all about growth. And so, you know, for us, we, success is really the number of users that are using our products. We know it's working and that it's reaching the right audience when, when our users, usage goes up. Very interesting. So some of the things you mentioned as a user and as even as an advertiser in the past, people use um, and but they're not good to always hear from the team behind those things that we take for granted. Because nowadays, Facebook is ubiquitous. Everybody uses it. As you said, 2 billion people. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to speak to someone who's behind the scenes. So that's, that's amazing. So the ne- next thing I want to ask is, of course, I, I would love to know more about the role in that. Before that, I'm always fascinated by people's stories, how they got to where they are today. So you said you're there for four years, but I'm really curious. I mean, is this something that you always knew you wanted to become or was this more of a nonlinear accidental career? <laughs> Great question. You know, so unlike the very few folks who know what they want to do at the age of seven, you know, my, my career hasn't been linear. And I think you know, part of that nonlinear path has been very exciting because, you know, it kind of unravels as you go along. And the reality is things are changing so quickly that honestly, even the role of product marketing manager didn't really exist 20 years ago. And then it's, and even in its current function, it's relatively new in sort of how it operates. And, and so, you know, my, my career started, you know, I would say at, at the age of, at the age of 18, when I went off to college, I had to figure out what I wanted to study, right? And I'm of Indian descent. And so, you know, usually if you have Indian parents, the question is, do you want to become a doctor or an engineer? You pick one. <laughs> I'm and, familiar with that as well. <laughs> I, I grew up in a similar family. <laughs> okay, so you get it. So, you know, what was interesting for me was even before college, I always had this knack for wanting to build things. So I was a tinkerer at home. I would take apart radios and different th- you know, TVs and computers and want to put them back together. So when I left college, I knew I wanted to you know, study something that, that resulted in kind of building and engineering. And so there was a few different options. My dad was an engineer, not surprisingly. My grandfathers were engineers. So I come from kind of an engineering lineage and it's just in the DNA and, and, and what I like to do. And so 
in looking at that point at how this was um, 19, you know, 19, not to date myself, but 1999 was when I was going off to college. And at this time, you could see what was the early formings of the internet. And I remember very clearly one of the first classes that I took as a freshman at college was a web development and software engineering class. And when I built sort of my first site and published it, at that point, I knew exactly how big the internet could be. And you could see just how powerful of a tool it was in connecting people. And at that time, I pretty much decided that I wanted to study computer science and go down the path of software engineering. Very interesting. And so you took something that like a skill set or an interest and you found out what was trending in the market. And then you, you were, you're fortunate to connect all the dots together. And you sound like you're very excited about what you do as well. So that's always yeah. a great thing. And, 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 you know, to be honest, looking back in hindsight, all of those dots connect very well. But at the time, of course, there was a lot of sort of uncertainty, right? And so what I knew was I loved tinkering. And I knew that this new thing called the internet, you know, had the potential of being pretty big. So, you know, I decided to point my career in that direction. And so after I graduated from college, I spent a few years actually at the Chicago Board of Education building software for the school system. And at that time, and even today, you know, education was one of those sectors where everybody cared about, right, regardless of your political background. However, there was very little, like, technology investments in the space. And so, you know, um, I found myself working there and building one of the first student information systems for one of the largest school districts at the time. I learned a ton. There was a bunch of things that we did really, really well. There's a bunch of things that we didn't do well, and we kind of learned along the way. And at that point, I think in my, my career when I was building software for the school districts, I started off as, as an engineer, and I quickly decided to you know, go down the path of, of being a software test lead. And at the time, I'd actually never considered being a software test lead, but there was something inside of me that always was curious at, you know, about the bigger picture. What were we building, right? As an engineer, sometimes what happens is you are just simply building a, a module, a component of a larger system. And I was always interested in that larger system. And so my, my career, starting from a software engineer, I quickly moved into being a software test lead where I got to see the end-to-end -end software and how it worked from a user standpoint. And our job was very simple test the software and find bugs before, user, you know, before users did and make sure that the product is stable. And so that's, that was one of my first jobs out of college. And it was at the time when I looked around at other people who I felt were really leading the charge in terms of the software development process. And I realized that most of the folks that I admired had a graduate degree. And so that got me thinking to say, okay, great. I've learned this so far, you know, if I were to go to graduate school and retool, you know, what could I do potentially next? And so one of the guys who I really looked up to at the time, Dennis Tillman, he was a management consultant who was consulting for the Chicago School District. And I just loved everything about the way he operated. He was very smart, very well read, he had a really high business acumen as well as technical aptitude. And I just really resonated with with him and kind of, you know, wanted to model myself off of him. And so what I did was I applied to graduate school and, you know, was fortunate enough to get into Carnegie Mellon University 
which is where I got my master's in information systems and management. And that sort of took my career in a completely different, different trajectory after grad school. And surprisingly, you'll, you'll believe you or you won't believe. After I graduated from school, I went to go work for guess which consulting firm, the exact same one that Dennis Tillman worked at. Because I loved the work that they were doing, and I felt like that, that consulting firm was really unique. And I think one of your former guest speakers, I think Larry Joya, podcast yeah. number 71, he also worked at this firm as well. And when I met folks like Larry, like Dennis, I could just tell they were cut from a different cloth. And, and a lot of what I wanted to do was to model you know, that type of capability. And so after graduate school, that led me down a management consultant path that I did for about three, four years. Originally at Diamond Technology and Management Consultants. And that small firm that, that I worked for, we did so well. We were so unique that PricewaterhouseCoopers ended up acquiring us uh, in 2000, 2011 or 2010, I believe. That's, uh, that's very interesting. I mean, uh, when, when I heard your title, Product Marketing Manager, I did not expect uh, a technical background or an engineering background. And right. then, then you have a consulting background. So that's, that's very interesting. And that's why I, I, one of the things I find by interviewing, even when I interview people like Larry and others, is uh, the nonlinear career path seems to be a very, very common thing today. Where people are today from where they started off in school, the path is totally different, but it takes them to a position. It connects all the, all the dots. It takes them to a position that they really enjoy. So uh, yeah. that's exactly what I sense from your story as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I'll add one more point. So, you know, in consulting in 2012, when I was in consulting, you know, what I realized a lot of the jobs that I had had very transferable skills. They're highly cross-functional, right? It was always blending business and technology. And so I started getting this itch and, and maybe some of your listeners could appreciate or relate to this. But I think in working in consulting in 2012, I started finding myself doing something every morning. I was reading TechCrunch. Mm-hmm. And I was reading TechCrunch and reading about all of this amazing sort of new technologies that were being built all around the world, but specifically Silicon Valley. And I, you could tell that there was, you know, we were on the cusp of a fourth industrial revolution that was really, you know, information-led and using new devices like mobile. And so... At that point, I had this itch, Nassar, to join a startup, a, tech, uh, a technology startup. And you'll find this funny, but when I decided I was going to leave consulting, and I said I, w- I wanted to take a chance at something new and go into working at a startup company, you know, the first people I talked to was my parents. And my parents' advice to me was, don't do it. <laughs> they said, hey, keep it safe. You've worked so hard to get into, you know, to work at this, at this big, you know, global consulting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers, stay there, you know, keep your head down, work hard. And that's exactly what I've been doing for the last few years. But I, but I was getting this desire to explore this new area that was kind of forming. And so like, like many people, I decided not to listen to my parents and uh, I joined this tech technology startup called LiveRail. And we were a video monetization platform that helped, you know, different uh, companies like ABC, NBC, Hulu, that were growing a a tremendous amount of viewers online to help them deliver ads that were targeted online. I knew nothing about ads, by the way, when I applied to the company. 
I just knew that the internet was huge as I knew, you know, when I was going into college and I knew that more and more people were watching video online on YouTube and other, other uh, platforms. And I knew that these publishers that were publishing video online, they needed a way to monetize and that this company that was working on that, like this could be a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, let me take a risk. Let me join this company. If it fails, I'm going to, you know, I can always come back to PricewaterhouseCoopers and get a job. And so I told my consulting manager at the time, I said, hey, look, I may call you back in six months to a year if this thing doesn't work out. But I need to give it a shot. I need to, I need to take this risk because what I don't want to do is, is regret an opportunity when I'm, let's say, 100 years old. I don't want to look back and say, you know what, there was this opportunity that I totally passed on. And, you know, some folks call this the regret minimization framework. Jeff Bezos actually <laughs> uses this as his decision-making criteria. So I kind of looked at that and said, let me join this startup. Um, I've got nothing to lose. And when I joined that startup, we had uh, two amazing years uh, where we quickly beca became one of the fastest growing video monetization platforms out there. And our size in terms of the number of advertisements that we were delivering was starting to get on the level of Google. I mean, that's how big we were growing. And in 2014, we were very fortunate that Facebook uh, actually acquired LiveRail, and that's how I came to Facebook. Very, very interesting journey, and it's it's amazing how uh, how everything gets connected, right? Like you know, the skills, and you mentioned a couple of great things. I, I before I get into the role discussion, a couple of two things things I want to point out. One is you mentioned about transferable skills, and that's absolutely essential, interesting, especially for new graduates young professionals who are starting today, any job they do today, they're able to transfer that skill. And I want you to, uh, if you don't mind, repeat, it. you said something about the regret minimization framework. And I've loosely heard of it, but this is the first time I'm exposed to that as well. Is that what it's called? Regret minimization? Yeah, yeah that's it. So the regret minimization framework is, is, is fairly binary in, in its outcome. And so what you do is you think, you fast forward to when you're 100 years old and looking back at your life, and you're saying, you know, did I, did I do all the things that I wanted to do? And, you know, do I have any regrets on things that I didn't do? And, and, and what you'll realize, I mean, even, even at this point, is that most of the things that we regret in life are the things that we didn't try, right? So you, didn't true. Try, you know, you didn't try this, this maybe it was a, a specific skill set or a job or a project or a major, right? or it was a relationship, whatever that means, that you just have regret in, in sort of not trying. Because if you tried and you failed, then you at least gave it a shot and you, sh you have, nothing to, be, you have you know, nothing to regret if you've done your best. And so in this case, what I do is I try to go back and think, you know, if I don't do this thing, well, am I going to regret it at 100 and, and when I'm 100 years old? And, if it's, and it's really binary. It's either a yes or a no. And if I feel like this could be something that I'm going to regret when I'm 100, I'm going to give it a shot. Because worst case, I can always come back to the thing that I'm doing right now. And, that, and, and this framework has really guided every sort of, every fun twist and turn in my career so far. Very interesting. And I, I'll make sure to highlight that as when, I, when this gets published and goes as show notes as well. So moving on, I, I do want to learn a little bit more about the role as well. So you told us a lot about your journey, how you got here. Now I'm really curious, what does the, the role look like? What does the day-to-day -day look like for a product marketing manager? 
Yeah, sure. And, and right before I get into that, what I'd love to sort of share is even when I got to Facebook and how I discovered this role in and of itself. So I actually had no idea that the role existed. And in my early sort of like the first year at Facebook, I was leading a solutions architecture team. Again, very similar to kind of the work that Larry Joy and Podcast 71 uh, was doing. And this one day I met this really brilliant product marketing manager and what I noticed was he was responsible for kind of understanding a new market that was emerging. He was responsible for kind of shaping like what is it that we should build and why and how do we position something new, this new product into the market that's fairly usually pretty crowded. And I just realized like how impactful this role was, the product marketing manager. And when I studied the team that he was on, I realized something really quickly that some of Facebook's leaders and, and leaders in Silicon Valley came from this team. So folks like Chamath uh, Palihapitiya, who's, mm-hmm. who's now the CEO of Social Capital, this kind of leading venture capital firm in, in Silicon Valley. Tim Kendall, who's the current you know, president of Pinterest. Matthew Itama, the chief operating officer at WhatsApp. And so when I looked at this history of alumni that had come out of this group, I said, you know, Someday I want to run my own company and this type of experience would help me be a better executive. And it, and it was like this leadership training ground within Facebook. And that's how I kind of discovered the role. And, and so the job of the, of the product marketer, marketing manager, we can kind of get into like what a day-to-day looks like. That's how I got exposed to the role in the first place. And I knew that this experience uh, was going to be important. It, it's not, not necessarily that product marketing management is the destination for me, but it's clearly just another you know step along this amazing journey. Yeah, th- that's actually interesting. So you are exposing or explaining why you got into that role, right? You so you spoke about so far the journey now, spice specifically this. So that is that is really interesting. It's good it, to have that. It's actually very good to have that perspective. A lot of people, I should say most people, they fall into this trap of getting a job or getting caught up in a career, not knowing exactly why. And once you know why, maybe it's like for in your case, the group that has this elite alumni, or it could be a role that does have an impact on others. So, so it's very good to know that. And you, you stand out amongst a lot of the other people, most of the people who do not have that figured out. So I just wanted to point that out. No, this is a great highlight because um, what, you're, what you're touching on is something that's so important. There, too, all too often, even at Facebook, what I hear is I'll get a ping on, on, on LinkedIn from a recent grad who will say, hi, Joy Deep, I'm, I'm so-and-so, and I just want to work at Facebook. Tell me the easiest path to get in, right? And they don't really have an understanding of why. Why is it that they want to work at Facebook? Why is it that they want this position? And I think the why is so important in our career because that's really what drives us, right? Gets us up every morning and actually helps us push through those challenges. For some of your listeners, if they haven't listened to, there's this amazing TED Talk podcast by Simon Sismic that's called Start With Why. And I listened to it several months ago and it kind of just articulated that that question, right? For me. Like, why is it that this is important? And I knew for me, since I wanted to run my own company someday, that this experience of product marketing manager was really important. And that why really drove me into applying for the job and getting it. 
I, I want to come back to the why in a moment uh, because that's there's going there's going to be one of my questions down the line. Um, I, I really wanted to help the audience and myself even like I'm really curious. You're so excited. I want to know what you do. <laughs> so yeah. what is the what, so what do you, what, what is what what exactly does a product marketing manager do then? Like in in terms of you told us on a high level, it's responsible for you know the people behind the ads that we see the, at Facebook. On a granular level, I'm level. I'm very curious. Yes, yes. So let's talk about like my day to day, right? Sure. So I'm the product marketing manager for a product called the Facebook Pixel, and the Facebook Pixel is a piece of code that you know different businesses put on their website. And they tell Facebook pretty much every time a person either views views a product, searches for it, or buys it. And the reason this is really, really important is because these are effectively a set of signals that the business uses to retarget folks, let's say, that has visited their website and searched for red shoes. And now... You know, the, the business, thanks to our, our, our product, the Facebook Pixel, can now retarget everybody who's looked at red shoes, right? They could optimize an ad to say, I want folks to buy more red shoes. So, you know, I'm, Facebook, I'm going to share with you when a person purchases a product like red shoes so that you can find me other people that are similar to them right? That, that may be interested in buying red shoes. And the other reason this is really important is because if you come to Facebook and you spend, let's say, $10 on ads, what you want to make sure is that you're measuring the effectiveness of the ad. So that $10, how many actually sales, conversions, and purchases did you get? Did that lead to, to 10? Did it lead to 100 purchases, right? And that's how you measure the effectiveness of the ads on Facebook. And so, for me, what a day-to-day looks like, and I can actually start, like, while there's no day that's the same, I try to start my day off exactly the same way. And so since my job, you know, is to understand and have a pulse on the market, right? Meaning, you know, what are, what are, what are advertisers looking to do today? What are some of the new trends that are emerging in online advertising? You know, and you can, you can imagine advertising, as I mentioned before, our mission is to connect people, right? Businesses and people. Well, you have to first start by looking at where do people spend time? Well, people spend a lot of time on Facebook, right? They spend a lot of time on their mobile devices. So a lot of the products that we're designing, advertising products, are mobile. They're mobile first because that's mm-hmm. where more and more folks are spending time. And so what I do every single morning is that I block off one hour of my time on just gathering insights. So what I do is, and I do this while, while eating breakfast, the first 30 minutes, I typically spend reading a bunch of articles, right? So TechCrunch, Adage, Stratechery, there's a bunch of great technology blogs out there that kind of talk about recent product launches from other companies. They talk about different trends and studies that are emerging. And what I try to do every morning is, is dedicate time to read these blogs. Because those are the same blogs that everyone else is reading. And it's a great way to, again, get, just have a pulse on kind of state of the, state of the industry on a given day. And this is really important for technology because, man, things change really, really quickly, right? If you work maybe in another industry, you could read journals maybe every three months and six months and you'd be fine, right? If you were in maybe a manufacturing business. But, you know, in technology, things literally change so quickly that every day I'm reading about you know, company X bought company Y, right? Company A just launched a new product. Or you'll come up with a study that says, 
advertisers are, are more successfully reaching people on mobile with really dynamic videos that does X, Y, Z, right? And so you get all of this by reading. So that's the first thing I do every 30 minutes. The second thing that I do is we have a set of product dashboards that highlight kind of the key metrics for my product. So that's the Facebook pixel. And so I'm looking at things like user growth, revenue growth. I'm breaking that data down by region, country, vertical. You know, we have advertisers that are in publishing. We have a consumer package, good advertisers that come to Facebook, education. And so for me, it's really important to kind of look at the aggregate level growth metrics and then be able to break that down. The reason that's important for me, because I have to understand where are the pockets of growth that's happening even greater than others, right? Where's the month over month growth in a particular area? And that's how I identify new product opportunities, right? So for example, if we're launching a new feature, I may notice that, you know, for the travel vertical in, in APAC is growing faster than anywhere else, right? And I want to dig into why that is. And because if I can explain why that growth is happening, we may be able to build new products that really sort of takes advantage uh, of those market opportunities. Very interesting. So it seems like there's different tasks or different functions involved. Of all the functions that you mentioned, what are the top two or top three uh, which you would really enjoy? Yeah, yeah. So let me, I'll break it down into two major functions of the product marketer. And then, sure. and then you know, we can talk about exactly what's exciting there. So what we call as, there's two parts of the job. One is the inbound part, inbound marketing. Okay. And what we do there is we try to gather, this is, this is the formulation of a product strategy. So we try to get a bunch of either insights, quantitative data, qualitative data. We interview a bunch of customers. And what we try to do is we do all this inbound research to, to help us answer the question, what should we build? Who should we build for? What do they need and why? Right? It's really to answer some of those basic fundamental questions. And so, you know, as I mentioned, the beginning of my day is really spent on reading and looking at dashboards, a lot of times talking to our sales teams, our customers, and really gathering all of those inputs. And once you gather all that, the next part of the inbound is really to synthesize all of that to come up with a set of recommendations, right? The second part of the product marketing manager's role is what we call outbound. And outbound is really around, you know, the product is already built at this point. How do we package it? How do we talk about it? You know, what's the positioning? What's the quick elevator pitch for our product? And how do we get that message out into market? So what are the different blogs, for example, that our customers use, right? What are the different platforms where they spend time? How do we get our message out there? Sometimes it's, you know, we do advertising ourselves. Sometimes it's a, you know, we... We send a notification to an advertiser via an email or a notification within their app experience. And other times, we actually go to conferences, right? We'll go to a conference and talk about what we're building to make sure that that outbound message lands correctly. So those are the main two you know, functions mm -hmm. of the product marketing manager. What do I love about it? Man, I think for me, it's always been about who are we building for, right? And understanding kind of their story and their needs. And so for me, a day in the life involves meeting with our sales and marketing teams, hopping on a bunch of customer calls to figure out, you know, the thing that we build, are advertisers and our customers using it the way we designed? 
Are they having trouble using it? Is there part of our product that they find confusing? Is there a few features in our product that they love and they just can't live without, right? We want to know about those things and understand why. And ultimately, we want to build a product that is simple and delivers everything that they need, right? And so sometimes building a great product involves removing things, right? And Apple obviously is great at this, but you know, it's understanding what are those things that are non-essential and how do we get that out of the way so that when a user comes to our product, they can use it for the essential stuff. So I love, you know, I love anything that does with, you know, the, the end user uh, in mind. Interesting. So I'll, I'll ask you the flip side as well, because I found this to be the case in most of these interviews. Are there any functions that you do not necessarily enjoy or you find challenging? Yeah. So there are, man, there's challenges every single day, right? And I'll, and I'll give you a couple examples that, that literally I'm dealing with, let's say this week. So let's say maybe we launched a brand new product and, and guess what? Nobody uses it. Okay. There's nothing more disappointing than spending, you know, a few months, at least in Facebook sense, it's usually we spend like a few weeks uh, to a month or so building something, going through the exercise of, you know, really understanding who we're building for, you know, nailing the user experience, launching it in market, you know, getting the narrative right, the positioning right, and then nobody is using our product and we're scratching our heads going, okay, where, where do we go wrong? And so this requires digging into effectively all of the, the different users who are not seeing the message and trying to figure out the funnel. Like where, you know, do we have an awareness problem? Do we have a UI problem? Maybe the, you'll notice for a lot of products out there, the initial registration step is so tough that people abandon, right? So we're trying to figure out what are all those friction points signing up for our product? Are our people abandoning and why? And a lot of this is just data analysis and reaching out to customers, right? Another way is software bugs, right? (laughs) We're not all perfect. And so sometimes we introduce products that have a software bug and that negatively impacts our experience. And so we didn't intend to have that bug, but it, it actually gives a poor user experience. And so, you know, for that, it's like all hands on deck. You literally stop what you're doing You pull everybody into a room to say, great, we need to get to the bottom of this. How many users is it impacting? How do we fix it? Do we know what caused this? How do we prevent this from happening again? These are sort of the the, the types of challenges that that come up on a day-to-day basis. But Nisar, in the last few years, I've actually looked at these challenges a little bit differently. And I think I've realized that challenges, if you can get through them, end up making you stronger at the end right? And so when these challenges come up, I just look at them as growth opportunities to say, okay, great. All hands on deck. Let's figure this out. And, and that's where leadership usually emerges from, right? Where things are not going well. There's a fire. Most people run away from fires, but if you run towards it, you can actually be, you know, sort of, you know, the savior at the end and kind of like help bring things back together. And so there's great leadership opportunity and challenges. Wow. So I love the reframe of how you look at challenges into a learning opportunity, a growth opportunity. And that is, I think, reminds me of a book I read from, by Carol Dweck called uh, Mindset. It, it talks about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Yes. yes. And I highly recommend it. So that's exactly what it reminded me. So that, that's a great reframe of situations 
what he did there. Now, I want to go back, Joydeep, to the question you, uh, I think you brought up a good point. You, you mentioned that people reach out to you and ask you, how do I get a job uh, for this role? So I want to ask you that question as well. So someone new out there who's, everyone can hear your passion and excitement and they listen to this and say, you know what, I want to do what something, I want to do something similar to what Joydeep is doing. So how do, what do you say to them? How, how does one become a product marketing manager? Yeah. Awesome. Great question. So I think what I first ask people is, is to really dig in and do some reflection and ask yourself like why that, why that role is interesting to you and, and, and why does it matter? Right. And sometimes it's interesting because it allows you to flex your strengths. In other cases, it may be interesting because it allows you to grow in maybe an area that you're not so great at, but you know, you need to, if you want to be that, that sort of that, that future leader um, vision of yourself. And so what I usually recommend is sort of answer those questions, like ask yourself those questions, be really, really honest with yourself, and then take a look at your, your existing resume and see how you can position it given kind of the, the day-to-day roles and expectations for the role, right? So for example, let's start with a brand new grad. What I usually tell them is, if you really want to be a product marketing manager, don't just take a class on marketing in, in school. But take on a side project where you're getting to flex those muscles and then apply for the role, highlight that experience, network, find if you know somebody who works at Facebook. So usually when someone's pinging me on, on LinkedIn, I appreciate the hustle. I honestly really do. I appreciate that they're trying to network and they're trying to figure out a way to get a job at Facebook. Because if you just apply to a job on Facebook on the career site, you know, the probability of a response is relatively low. If you network with someone, it's going to be higher. Now, if this person gives you a little bit of insight into the role, into what it takes, you can now not only position yourself, you can also position your resume, right, that way. And you may, under, you may identify that there's maybe a critical ingredient that's missing, right, for you to be a product marketing manager. Like if there's, there's a, a function of the role that is, is really required and you just don't have that skill set. That's fine, right? But identify that. And maybe you can take on a a side project with your friends, nights and weekends, where you get to flex that muscle and develop it. And then when you apply it, you can actually explain that to the interviewer to say, look, this is an area I want to grow at. And here, guess what? I started doing it on nights and weekends. And and before you know it, a lot of times these these individuals start flexing those PMM muscles at their current job or program that they're in, right? So, so yeah, that's, that's my recommendation for anybody who's, who's wanting to become a product marketing manager at any company, including Facebook. Is a degree or a certification required for this position? Great question. It is, so a, a, typically a bachelor's degree is at a minimum required. The, the bachelor's degree doesn't have to be in a specific major, but business, marketing, technology, they tend to be the most common. The other thing is I will say, a majority of the team, particularly at Facebook, they have MBAs. You know, now, myself, for example, I don't have an MBA, but I have a master's in information systems. And so some level of advanced degree does put you in, a, in, a, in an advantage situation. So at a minimum, you should have a bachelor's degree in either business, marketing, or technology. And then if you have an MBA or a master's, that just gives you a little bit of a leg up on the role. Interesting. Okay. And uh, what does an ideal career path look like? So once, let's say someone today is a product marketing manager, where, where can this path take them? 
Yeah, great question. This is one that I'm still sort of figuring out and learning as I go. But when I look at some of the folks, as I mentioned before, that came out of this program, you know, there's, there's no limitation on the types of roles that you can do. But the most common ones are you can be the co-founder and CEO of your own company, right? Because you're experienced in kind of the product strategy and go-to-market, a lot of folks end up being chief operating officers at different places, right? Because if the company that they work at is a software company, it's important to kind of know both sides. Obviously, as I mentioned, Tim Kendall, for example, is the president of Pinterest. So, you know, having an understanding of advertising, particularly in, in, in kind of the, the world that we live in today, is a very valuable skill to have. And so, you know, I think the sky's the limits in terms of where you can go. For me personally, some of the roles that interest me are you know, being a partner at a venture capital firm, being the CEO of my own company, being, you know, head of monetization at, at a big tech company or an executive. Those are the types of, of roles that I'm sort of looking towards in my career. Not sure exactly how, the, how my career path is going to unwind next, but I'm, I'm looking forward to where it goes. Sounds very exciting. Looks, looks like the possibilities are endless for someone in this role. Yeah, absolutely. And you're really just learning the fundamental of kind of the business side of a software company, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's sort of in the crux of what it is the sales, the marketing, the operations, the strategy, you know. And so the chief operating officer is probably the most, you know, essential career path. But you can see that the chief operating officer of Apple, formerly Tim Cook, is now the, the CEO, right? Right. So, you know, it really trains you to be that, you know, the next generation uh, business leader at a, at a tech company. Interesting. So, Joydeep, we are coming towards the end of our interview. I know you shared a lot of amazing ideas. On top of talking about the role, you also shared some amazing career advice, which I'll make sure to highlight as, as when this goes out live. Before we wrap up, any final words, any piece of advice you would like to give the audience? Yeah, I, I'll share with the audience a quote, and it's kind of become my mantra, but it was a quote that Peter Thiel, who's, a, who's kind of a legendary you know, CEO, you know, Silicon Valley titan, gave to Mark Zuckerberg about business, but I sort of apply it for my career. And the advice is this, the biggest career risk is not taking any risks. And, and this is something that I live, you know, sort of every single day. And so a lot of times what your, your listeners will realize is they may be presented with an opportunity that, that really scares them right? And that they're not sure that they're going to do well. And there's a lot of fear there. But if they can face that fear head on and take that risk, what they'll do is they'll learn a ton in the process, even if they end up failing. Because at the end, failing is, is really just learning, right? And, and a lot of some of the greats have failed and learned and built great businesses afterwards, right? So the biggest career risk is not taking any risks. That's my, that's my takeaway. I love that advice. It's, it's like, it's not a career. I, I don't just look at it as a career advice. It's a life advice if you think about it. So that, that is a great way to wrap up. Thank you, Jody. This has been an amazing interview. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I'm sure the audience will do that as well. They'll learn a lot as well. So thanks for uh, being a guest and sharing your story and your insights. Awesome. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks folks for listening to yet another episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview as part of a blog post, and you can find that on careermedis.com. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, 
feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really, really loved it, please go ahead and share it among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you. 